Thank you for listening to our podcast. Church at the Well is a community practicing the way of Jesus and thirsting for the life he gives. And I want to talk about this morning something that feels like the opposite of crying. And that's this, the sacred ambition of enjoying your life. And you might be thinking to yourself, wait a second, how is enjoying your life a sacred ambition? I mean, doesn't Jesus tell us to lose our life, to take up our cross and deny ourselves? How could enjoying your life be sacred? In fact, probably we think the opposite, that if you're enjoying your life, you're, you're probably being too carnal, right? I mean, we have this subconscious thing that we, that we wrestle with, that, man, if I'm enjoying life, maybe I'm not being a good Christian. Maybe I'm being too secular, too carnal. And, and I certainly thought that way for many years, which is why I want to talk about it today. Because I believe that when we approach enjoying our lives as something secular, that we lose our capacity to live the life that God wants us to live. Now, some of you might be thinking, oh my gosh, Adam's become a prosperity gospel preacher. He's going to tell us to just live large and just to, you know, have faith for everything that we want and we'll get it. No, um, that's, that's, that's not what I'm going to be speaking about today. Um, let, me, let me start by telling you a story. When I was a young person in junior high and high school, I went to a private Christian school. And um, let me just say, that the ethos of this school, the, the environment of the school, the core values of the school were not fun celebration and laughter. All right, it was, it was um, performance and discipline. So we had to wear a dress code of dress shirt and dress pants every day. Obviously, that didn't stick. Um, as a pastor, I'm wearing a, a dirty t-shirt and some shorts today. Uh, but back then, that's what we had to do. And um, we had to... Uh, follow a very strict set of rules. One day, I think I was in the, the ninth grade, I brought a cassette tape to school. Yes, that's how old I am. We had cassette tapes. And I brought a cassette tape to school, and it was the Christian artist Carmen. Is anybody here familiar with Carmen? Probably more than half of you don't. Who's Carmen? You don't need to know. He was a, he was a popular Christian artist at the time, right? As Christian as Christian artists get. And I, and I left the cassette tape on my desk and, and came back to my desk and, and discovered it was missing and thought, whoa, somebody just in a Christian school just stole my Christian cassette tape. Um, f- a few minutes later, I got called into a, our principal's office and he, he asked me, do you know why you're here? And I said, no, I, I really don't know why I'm here. And he held up my Carmen tape. And my first thought was like, you just took that from my desk? And, and my second thought was, is that the reason I'm here? And he, and he said to me, this provocative smut is not going to be allowed in our school. And, and I said, but it, it's Carmen, <laughs> right? Like, it's Carmen. Uh, but he pointed to the picture on the cassette, and it was a, you know, a picture of Carmen, and he had his shirt unbuttoned two buttons. And apparently that was smut. And so I had to miss our field trip that day, and, and my punishment was I had to stay behind and write for the whole afternoon why I wouldn't bring that kind of material into our school. So that's a little backdrop of where I come from. <laughs> but uh, 
even though it wasn't directly taught to me as a teenager, in, in kind of the, the fundamentalist background that I grew up in, um, even though it wasn't directly taught, there was, um, there was a, a, an atmosphere and a belief that in order to be deeply spiritual, in order to pursue holiness, you had to enjoy your life less. That there wasn't room for, for joy and celebration and laughter and fun. And, and it was communicated that, you know, God uh, cares about us being disciplined in our performance and he wants us to be buttoned up and he wants us to be serious. And, and I did learn some valuable things during that season of life. But there was something that um, needed some calibration. It was out of alignment because it, it propagated this false narrative. And the false narrative was this, that, that to be deeply spiritual, you have to enjoy life less. And, and as a pastor, I've, I've been in pastoral ministry now, occupational ministry for 27 years. As a pastor, I've preached countless sermons on the, the importance of taking up your cross, denying yourself, uh, following Jesus, crucifying your fleshly desires. All these things are completely necessary for following Jesus, right? They're vital to following Jesus. You can't follow Jesus without taking up your cross and losing your life. It's impossible. Jesus made it crystal clear that to follow him, we have to lose our life. But here's the thing. We also find one, right? Jesus said, if you want to find your life, you have to lose it. So yes, we have to lose our life to follow Jesus, but we also find one in him. And he tells us this, that he came to give life and life abundant. And I'm more and more convinced that the gospel of Jesus, the good news of Jesus, not only saves us from something, but it also saves us into something. Right? While following Jesus certainly requires discipline and self-denial and sacrifice, it also is full of beauty and rest and joy. It's an invitation to delight in God, an invitation to delight in God's good creation, to celebrate the things that, that, that God gives us, to enjoy a life filled with, with mystery and adventure and wonder and awe. And I think that many times people resist Jesus because they've bought into this false dichotomy. And the false dichotomy is this. I either have to choose to take up my cross and follow Jesus, or I can enjoy my life. And I want to share with you this morning that it is not an either-or proposition. It's a both-and. That it's possible to enjoy your life while you're also losing it. Right? That, that you can do both. And the reason I'm, I'm speaking on this topic today is because I don't want any of us to believe that enjoyment and God don't mix. That God is just, you know, this cosmic killjoy. He just wants to ruin our lives and, and steal any joy or, or fun or the capacity to enjoy our life. I believe personally that that narrative is detrimental to our walk with Jesus. That we have to live in the tension and learn how to do both. To lose our life take up our cross, deny ourselves, and follow Jesus, and also enjoy the good things of God, the good things that God gives us. 
And so it's my goal today to convince you of this, that holiness and celebration, holiness and enjoying your life can coexist, and furthermore, they must exist if you're going to faithfully follow Jesus. And so I want to provide a, a, a backdrop for the scripture passage we're going to read this morning. I'm going to invite Mark Pedersen up. He's going to read our passage for us this morning. And this passage is Nehemiah chapter 8. Here's the backdrop drop for this passage. The Jewish people had just been released from 70 years of captivity. They, they were in captivity for 70 years. They've been released. They returned to their homeland, and they're going to rebuild their city. And it's just a pile of rubble and ruins. That's all that's left. It's where their parents and their grandparents once lived. They were taken captive. Now, the next generation, 70 years has passed. The next generation comes back, and they're standing in the rubble, in the ruins of their, their parents' heritage. And a scribe by the name of Ezra and some of the other spiritual leaders stand up, and they start to read to the people the book of the law, which is the first five books of the Old Testament, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. They're reading this to them, and they're taking the time to explain it to them. And that's where this passage jumps in. So I'm going to invite Mark to read it for us. Uh, I think the sermon today is uh, aimed at my wife and I, uh, Gail. Uh, we were invited to uh, Bread and Puppet to go this afternoon. We were feeling a little guilty about it because it's probably not Christian. And um, there's going to be a lot of fun there. And so uh, thank you, Lord, for uh, the, the special message. That's really cool. So we're happy to go. Nehemiah 8, 8 through eight twelve. They read from the book of the law, making it clear and giving the meaning so that the people understood what was being read. Then Nehemiah, the governor, Ezra, the priest and, the, and teacher of the law, and the Levites, who were instructing the people, said to them all, This day is holy to the, to the Lord God, your God. Do not mourn or weep, for all the people had been weeping as they had listened to the words of the law. Nehemiah said, Go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks, and send some to those who have nothing prepared. This day is holy to our Lord. Do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. The Levites calmed all the people, saying, Be still, for this is a holy day. Do not grieve. Then all the people went away to eat and drink, to send portions of food and to celebrate with great joy because they now understood the words that had, made them, had been made known to them. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Mark. And so here's what happens when Ezra, the scribe, finishes reading to all of these people the, the book of the law. Again, these people are standing in the place where their parents' and grandparents' lives were destroyed, they were taken captive, and they're taking in all this history. And now they're hearing the very words that God said to their ancestors read back to them. So you can imagine just how overwhelming, right, sobering that is. Uh, they're feeling the responsibility uh, of rebuilding from scratch. Um, I imagine that some of you have also experienced some of that overwhelmness in your life, right? Where maybe, you, maybe you've had to deal with the rubble of your past, 
Or maybe you walk into a situation in your life and it just feels like wreckage everywhere and you're overwhelmed. You don't know, you know you have to rebuild, but you don't even know how to start or where to start. Have you ever felt anything like that before? Maybe it's just me. Uh, But I'll guarantee you, one day you will feel that. And you can say, Adam, you're not a very positive preacher. Yes, I'm positive. You will feel that one day. And and that's where these people are at. And, and, And when Ezra finishes... The people, we're told the people are weeping. And that's when Ezra, Nehemiah, the governor, and the, and the spiritual leaders do something completely counterintuitive. They do, do something unexpected and surprising. All the people are weeping and mourning because they're, they're, they're realizing that, that um, God has called them to something more and somehow their ancestors got off track and now there's, there's all this wreckage. Uh, but God is with them and he's for them and he's got something uh, f- new for them. And they're weeping and they're, they're just overwhelmed with all these emotions. And, and Ezra, Nehemiah, and the, and the spiritual leaders stand up and they say this, hey, today is a holy day. Today is a sacred day, they say. And what we need to do right now is to eat choice foods, to drink sweet drinks, to find someone who doesn't have anything prepared and share it with them. Because today's a sacred day. It's a holy day. In other words, what God really wants from us right now, people, that's what, that's what the religious spiritual leaders are saying to them, what God really wants from us right now is to throw a party. Now, I'm not suggesting that every time we're lamenting and sad and in grief that we just throw a party. <laughs> that's not what the Scripture's teaching. In fact, the Scripture tells us that lament is a big part of our, our walk with God. Right? There's, there's a whole book in the Bible called Lamentations. Right? The scriptures teach us that God meets us in our grief and lament. And, and Jesus himself lamented. Jesus himself wept. Uh, lament is an important part of our walk with God. But in this particular instance, something else was needed. They were already weeping and mourning and lamenting and putting the pieces together. But something else was needed. Celebration and enjoyment. Nehemiah, the governor, stands up and tells them, don't be dejected and sad because the joy of the Lord is your strength. See, here's the thing. These people needed strength for what they were going to go through, for what was ahead of them. There was a lot of rebuilding. There was a lot of uncertainty. There was a lot of hardship ahead of them. And they were just now hearing that God had something bigger for them as a people. So all this is going on. And, and, they, and, and the, the spiritual leaders in Nehemiah and Ezra, they knew that these people were going to need God's strength to move forward. They were going to need his strength to walk out and, and work through all that they just heard. See, here, here's the thing. Enjoying your life becomes a sacred ambition when it positions us to focus and center our eyes on God and his goodness despite our circumstances. That's when enjoying your life becomes a sacred ambition. See, these people had very little to celebrate. They had very little to enjoy. A ruined city full of rubble, a family history left in shambles, the overwhelming, stressful weight and responsibility of of rebuilding and starting over. But they were exhorted to focus on the one thing they did have, that God was with them and God was for them. 
the hope that they had in God, right? Despite their circumstances. And that's what celebration does for us. It positions us to see what we can't sometimes see. The goodness of God. That God's with us. That God's for us. That he's a redeemer. That with God, the worst thing is never the last thing. That the joy of the Lord is our strength. It's our strength. And, and wh- what is the joy of the Lord? What makes just joy different from the joy of the Lord? Well, the joy of the Lord is not the kind of joy that's brought on by a perfect set of circumstances. Right? That joy just kind of naturally comes. Like, it, it, Have you ever experienced where just everything was going right for a season in your life and, and, and you were surprised by, by just the circumstances working out and you were joyful? That's, that's good. But the joy of the Lord is different. The, the joy of the Lord isn't the kind of joy that's brought on by perfect circumstances. It's a joy we discover and unearth by centering our eyes on the goodness of God regardless of our circumstances. That's what these people were doing. They didn't have anything going for them. And Nehemiah and Ezra stand up and say, hey, this is a holy day, a sacred day. What you really need to do is have a party right now and celebrate the one thing that you do have. You don't have a home. You don't have a heritage. Like everything is just going bad uh, in, your, in your life, but you have this. God is with you. He's for you. He's got something for you. And they, sell, they said, we can celebrate that. So they tell him, go eat something good. Go drink something sweet. Find somebody who doesn't have anything. Share it with them. Because the joy of the Lord is your strength. You're going to need God's strength. See, I'm convinced that one of the reasons the New Testament implores us to enjoy the good things of God and recognize them as a gift is for this reason. Um, I'm going to put up a couple scriptures on the screen for you. The first one is James chapter 1, verse 16 and 17. It says this, Don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from above. Ian already referenced this passage of scripture for us this morning. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights. See, enjoying our lives becomes sacred when we recognize God as the source of every good and perfect gift. That every good gift comes from God. Here's another scripture we'll put up for you. is 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17. It says, Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain but to put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life That is truly life. See, the the message I'm sharing today about the sacred ambition of enjoying your life, it's not a prosperity gospel message that says live as large as you can, name it and claim it, 
gab it and grab it, go get it. <laughs> no, this is a message that says, enjoy your life while you're also losing it. It's both and. It's not either or. If you choose to follow Jesus, yes, you have to take up your cross. You have to deny yourself. You have to obey him as Lord. That's why we call him Lord, right? But when we lose our life, Jesus says we also find one. And it's a good one. It's one we get to enjoy. Right? Jesus said we have to, to lose our life to follow him, but he also said that he came to give us life and life more abundant, which, which means this. The world we live in is not just our mission field. It's also supposed to be our playground. That we're to lose our lives. And why we're losing it, learn the sacred ambition of enjoying the good things of God. All the things that God blesses us with. So that's why this morning we, we thank God for the sunshine. Right? Because it's the goodness of God. That's why we, we, we thanked God. I think Ian was praying this and he was just naming a, a list of things that he, he, he was thankful for. Our, our church community and, and those things are essential because the joy of the Lord is where we get our strength. I, I, this week, um, I got to do something that I find extremely life-giving. And you might think I'm a nerd for it, but I, I love fantasy football. And this week was our Dynasty Fantasy Football Draft. And it, I'm in this with a group of my buddies. Some of them have been in it for a decade. Some of us, two decades we've been in this league. We trade future draft picks. We're on the phone. We text each other all year long. And this was the week that we selected our picks. And I was strengthened. <laughs> all of the smack talk that I get to talk to my friends, like that was a terrible pick, and just make fun of their teams and, 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 and pick my guys. And, and I, I, I find strength in that because I, it's life-giving to me. Another thing that, that I find really life-giving in my life is, is every Thursday at noon, I go play basketball. And I'm reminded how frail I am and how I'm not young anymore. All the things I used to be able to do and I think I can still do, I find out I can't. And I sweat and I breathe hard. And, and it brings me joy. It's a gift from God. I, you, you just think, Adam, that's stupid. That's just fantasy football and basketball. How is that a gift from God? Because every good and perfect gift comes from God. I also love listening to music and, and, and writing songs. Um, September 17th and 18th, the Vermont Christianity of the Arts is putting on a conference in, in Stowe. I'm going to attend that conference. They have a songwriting workshop. And there's some people from our church who are leading workshops at that conference. If you are at all interested in the arts, photography, writing, music, anything, um, I want to encourage you to, to register for that conference. We'll be announcing it here in the next couple of weeks to give you more details. Um, but Kevin Fitton, who used to co-pastor church here with me, but now lives um, out of state, he's, he's coming back to do a session. Our own Abby Carroll's doing a session. McKenna Dickerson's doing a session. And so we'll, we'll be hearing more about that. But those things give me life. I, I find those as gifts from God. Right? And, and I get strengthened by those things. And so my question today is, what are, the, 
what are the things that bring you joy that are life-giving? I also recognize there's seasons in our life and seasons in my life where the things that, that I find life-giving and joyful stop being life-giving and joyful. Have you ever had that experience before? And you're trying to figure it out, like, oh, why can't, why can't, I, why can't I, I, I enjoy these things right now? That happens to us too, right? I want to close with, close with a story. Once there was a young man, and he really wanted to get close to God. He wanted to get serious about his walk with God. And so he decided to pack a bag and leave his village and climb up to the mountain that was overlooking the village and just stay in a cave. And he was going to pray, and he was going to fast, and he was going to get serious about God. He was going to get close to God. And so he was up there for, for several weeks in the cave, but every night when he would get down to the serious business of praying and seeking God, he would hear the village down below singing and laughing and dancing and eating, and, and it was disruptive to him because he, was, he let the village to get serious with God. And so he would get frustrated every evening when he'd go to prayer and, and you'd hear that noise and, and ruckus. Well, several weeks went by, and one night um, an old monk walked by his cave and noticed the young man in the cave praying. And he asked the young man, why are you here in this cave? And the young man replied to the monk, well, I'm, I'm, I'm here to do serious business with God. I want to get close to God. And so the monk asked him, have you gotten closer to God yet? And the man says, well, no. Every, every time I, at night when I do my, my serious prayer, the villagers below, they're singing and they're laughing and they're dancing and they're making all this ruckus and they're eating food and having a party. And so I, I haven't been able to yet. And the monk looked at the young man and said, that's because God is not in your cave. He's in the singing and the laughing and the eating and the dancing below. And he said, if you, if you can't see that, you haven't learned anything in your time up in the cave. What he was saying was this, that sometimes God is in the party, right? The celebration, the enjoying the good gifts these give us. And here's what makes that a sacred ambition when we position ourselves to see every good gift that it comes from him, it's sacred. When we do it just for ourselves, for joy, then it's a different ambition, right? But when we can experience his goodness and joy and say, wow, God, that is a gift from you, then enjoying our life becomes a sacred ambition. C.S. Lewis said, said it this way, that joy is the serious business of heaven. So, let me close by saying this. I don't know who needs to hear this message today. There may just be a handful of people um, who are feeling just buried by life and not finding life very enjoyable right now. And if that is you, I, I believe this is God's word to you today. And here, here, here's the benediction I'm going to leave you. Go celebrate Go eat some choice food, some sweet drinks. Find somebody who has nothing prepared and share it with them because the joy of the Lord's your strength.
And you're going to need that joy. You're going to need that strength for the journey you're on. Now, for the rest of you who maybe you're, you're in a, a place of life right now where you're, you're really enjoying it. Maybe this summer's been the best summer you've ever had. You're, you're enjoying your life and doing all the things you wanted to do. Um, Angie shared that like, at the end of summer, there's that re- time of regret. We're like, oh man, I didn't get to do all the things I wanted to do. But sometimes you have a summer where, wow, I got to do everything I wanted to do and more. It was a great summer. Um, I want to give you some homework this week too. And here's the homework assignment. Carve out a time to find something life-giving and enjoyable. And not just find something life-giving and enjoyable, but something that reminds you that God is good. And take time to give him thanks for it. So if you go for a walk tonight, or even this afternoon by the lake, and you're just, you're just enjoying the sunshine and the beauty of God's nature, take a minute and just say, God, thank you that I get to experience this. This is a gift from you. See, that's what's going to make enjoying your life a sacred ambition. Is when you can position yourself to say, yeah, God is the source of every good and perfect gift. Um, let me just say one last thing about the joy of the Lord. The joy of the Lord is special for this reason. You can count on it because it doesn't depend on your circumstances. It hangs on God's goodness and, and our ultimate hope in him, right? So even if you're here this morning and, and you're thinking, man, but I just, I just, I just can't find joy. I, I'm in one of those seasons where I, the things I used to enjoy, I'm not enjoying anymore. And I just, I, I really just want to strongly exhort you. The joy of the Lord doesn't depend on circumstances. It, it, it's found and it's unearthed and it's discovered when, when we center the eyes of our heart on him and recognize the hope, the ultimate hope that we have in, them, in him, even when our circumstances are not good. Okay, so whoever that's for, just take that. And I just want to close this with a, with a word of prayer. And I just want to pray for, for all of us this morning. We join me in prayer. I'm going to invite the worship band to come up too. We'll sing one last song after this. Heavenly Father, um, I pray for all my friends here today who maybe they've been trapped in this false dichotomy that we either have to deny ourselves and take up our cross or enjoy our life. When Jesus clearly teaches, we get to do both. I pray for freedom, first and foremost, for people. Freedom for, for people who, who have thought that, that when they were enjoying their life that they were being carnal. And I also pray for my friends who just haven't figured out how to do both of these things at once. How to deny themselves and take up our cross and obey God and the scriptures and everything that Jesus teaches and, and still enjoy our life. They just haven't figured that out yet. God, I pray that you would... Um, come alongside of them and show them all the good gifts that come from you that you invite us to, to enjoy. And I pray, Lord, that the joy of the Lord would be our strength. Pray for my friends here this morning who are going through hardship and difficulty. They're surrounded by rubble. There's ruin everywhere. There's wreckage everywhere. They don't know where to start. They know they have to rebuild, but they, they just don't even, they don't even have any energy and motivation Whatever they're working on, whatever they're processing, whatever it is they're going through, they just haven't been able to do it. Lord, I pray that 
this passage of Scripture from Nehemiah to, to throw a party to celebrate the goodness of God. To eat some rich food, drink some sweet drinks, find people who don't have anything and share it with them. God, I pray that, that as, as we uh, courageously step into that space, even, even, even if we're surrounded by rubble, that you would meet us there. And you would fill us with the hope that comes from knowing you. The ultimate hope of knowing what you have for us. Lord, we ask you to do all these things in the powerful and mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Why don't we stand and we'll sing together. You're listening to the official podcast of Church at the Well in Burlington, Vermont. For more information about Church at the Well, including gathering time and location, events, and how you can financially support the podcast, please visit us online at www.wellchurchvt.com.